Welcome to Disputes Digest. Hey, we're glad to be back in your newsfeed this week. There is a ton going on in the field and we're excited to chat with you about it. We have several stories to bring to you this week. First, we'll talk about an arbitration award related to the law of the sea and between Russia and Ukraine. Then we'll talk about the new arbitration rules out of the Vancouver International Arbitration Center. And from there, we'll take a look at a Michigan Court of Appeals decision concerning the brevity of arbitral awards. And finally, we'll end with an ADR nugget from your ADR enthusiast, Elizabeth. As usual, before we get into our stories for today, if you haven't already, take a moment and share the show with a friend or colleague. And if you've got any feedback for the show, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. And you know the drill. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. Okay, let's get into it. In an arbitration under Annex No. 7 of the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, or UNCLOS, regarding a dispute between Ukraine and the Russian Federation, the Arbitral Tribunal has issued an award on the preliminary objections of the Russian Federation. The Permanent Court of Arbitration acts as a registry for such proceedings. The dispute concerns the detention of a Ukrainian naval vessel and its servicemen. The arbitral proceedings were instituted on 1st April 2009. The dispute concerns the detention of three Ukrainian naval vessels and servicemen. The Russian Federation raised preliminary objections to jurisdiction of the tribunal, which it was forced to address before turning to the substantive issues before it. Russia's objections were based on the following grounds. The dispute concerns military activities and is therefore excluded as Russia has made a declaration under Article 298.1b of UNCLOS. Two, that Article 32 of UNCLOS does not provide for immunity of warships and other government ships operated for non-commercial purposes in the territorial sea. Therefore, the tribunal lacks jurisdiction under Article 288.1. And finally, that the tribunal lacks jurisdiction as Ukraine failed to comply with Article 283 of UNCLOS, which requires states to engage in good faith discussions concerning the issue. In its award of June 27th, 2022, the Arbitral Tribunal held unanimously that the events until the time of the Ukrainian naval vessel's departure from Anchorage constitute military activities and are therefore excluded from its jurisdiction. The events following the arrest of the Ukrainian naval vessels do not constitute military activities thereafter and therefore are not excluded from jurisdiction. The precise point in time when the events ceased to be military activities will be decided in conjunction with the merits of a dispute before the Tribunal but it's clearly a murky issue. The issue further is whether Article 288.1 provides for immunity and whether it will be decided on the merits. Next, that it rejected the objection that Ukraine had not complied with Article 283. And finally, the arbitral tribunal decided that it had the jurisdiction over the remainder of the dispute that was not specifically excluded. The matter survived this initial finding by the tribunal and will continue forward and we will update the story as further details become available. From there, let's head over to Canada, where the Vancouver International Arbitration Center, VANIAC, has introduced a new set of international commercial arbitration rules for procedure that came into effect on July 1st, 2022. Taking a closer look at some of the features in this updated edition, the rules include things like incorporating express rules for virtual hearings, how to determine the applicability of the international rules or domestic rules themselves, i.e., in case an arbitration is seated in any province but Canada other than the British Columbia and that the parties have agreed to the VANIAC rules shall apply. 
then it shall mean reference to the international rules rather than the domestic ones. Rule 19 provides that arbitral tribunals shall endeavor to conduct the proceedings expeditiously and that the parties too shall endeavor to promote the expeditious conduct of arbitration. Then there's Rule 21, which allows the parties to bring an application for early disposition of one or more issues of fact or law at any stage of the proceedings. Then there's Rule 23, which makes a default rule to provide evidence by way of witness statements subject to an agreement of the parties. And finally, Rule 35 requires the arbitral tribunal to issue an award within 90 days of the close of the hearings and receipt of the last written submission. The rules provide for an expedited procedures which apply to arbitrations conducted by a sole arbitrator if the parties agree or where there is no claim by any party in notice of arbitration or notices of counterclaims that exceeds 500,000 Canadian dollars. The expedited procedures allow for dispensing with oral hearings. Then you've also got some quick notes related to rules 11, 12, 13, 26, and 29. We'll include a link to the new rules in the show notes. So you can take a closer look if you're curious and see how these are going to have an impact on those practicing in the arbitration, both domestic and internationally, before the Vancouver Center. Next, for those of you that like to take to the sky, there is a new center established for aviation disputes. The center, which is both a nonprofit and a specialized court of arbitration for the global aviation industry, has been established and will formally open its doors on July 21st, 2022 in The Hague, situated in the Netherlands. The Hague Court of Arbitration for Aviation, i.e. the Hague CAA, is the court's name and its operations will be administered by the Netherlands Arbitration Institute, the NAI, in order to provide flexible solutions for arbitration and mediation in the aviation industry and is designed from its inception to cater to the aviation industry and arbitration disputes practitioners, as well as in order to give them insights into the global technical and cultural nuances of the aviation sector. With the admin of the court, the ADR solutions will now be provided in accordance with best international practices, specifically tailored for the requirements in both the needs of commercial and private aviation sectors. Further, the Court of Arbitration for Aviation is relevant for the purpose of rendering binding arbitral awards, including interim awards and awards rendered through expedited procedures, something we'll talk about a little bit more later. The Hague CAA highlights the growing importance of ADR mechanisms, more specifically so in aviation financing, leasing, and insurance. With the aviation industry recovering from the pandemic, there is a simultaneous increase in the number of aviation disputes thus creating a high demand for practitioners in the field of aviation law and arbitration. From there, we go to the United States, and specifically the Wolverine State, aka Michigan, where the Michigan Court of Appeals on April 28th issued a decision in A. Ray Romanzi, which held that when an arbitrator's decision is challenged on brevity, that the correct procedure is to remand that decision back to the arbitrators rather than attempting to set aside the award or proceeding before national courts. The court opined that such an action would fall within its purview of clarification, completion exception to the functus officio, or expired authority of the tribunal. The underlying case concerns a breach of contract based on quantum merit filed by the claimant against the respondent. The arbitrator's award was a brief one, just one paragraph, whereby two of the three arbitrators rendered the decision in favor of the claimant. The respondent believed that this was insufficient and challenged the award in district court and requested that the decision be vacated. However, the district court was not persuaded by respondent's argument and returned the award back to the arbitrators for further review. 
Additionally, the respondent appealed the decision of the first district court on several grounds. First, that the remand was inappropriate on its face. Second, that the remand was barred by the doctrine of functus officio, arguing that the tribunal's mandate had expired. And third, and finally, that the supplemental award should likewise have been vacated. On appeal, the Michigan Court of Appeals dismissed respondent's appeal and held that the grounds alleged for vacating the award are inapplicable because the text of the award is within the limits set by the arbitrator's power and only the remedy available was the remand to supplement rather than setting aside the award altogether. With this decision, the district court clarified that any unambiguous action with the arbitration panel fell within the clarification exception of functus officio doctrine. Finally, for this week, we bring you another ADR nugget from Elizabeth Arubalese. This time, we're talking about a very important topic in any arbitration, and they're on an interesting fact about arbitral awards. Arbitration has become the most preferred ADR mechanism for resolving disputes, especially in international disputes, instead of heading to litigation before national courts. Some jurisdictions like Nigeria have even designed special mechanisms like the Lagos multi-court courthouse, multi-door courthouse, Many other arbitration-friendly states like the United Kingdom, France, the United States, Singapore, India, and numerous other European countries are, however, no exception to this development of creating specialized mechanisms for people seeking relief before arbitration. The reasons why people often opt for arbitration over litigation can go on and on. However, that isn't the reason for today's arbitration nugget. Instead, we're talking about something that appears at the end of every award. That is the award. Awards can come in earlier than the end of the proceedings, but they often are the final thing that the parties are trying to get to. And they come in many different types and fashions. According to the ICC rules, which give out a great outline, a blueprint of the different types of awards that exist in arbitration is found in Article 2.5 of the ICC rules. Though many other rules do the same as well. There are 10 different types, broadly speaking, of arbitral awards. They are, they are the interim award, they are the final award, partial award, consent, performance, draft, default award, additional, domestic, or foreign award. You kind of get the idea there. Each one of these awards has their own meaning and effect and are worth taking the time to study out further, especially if you're going to be an arbitrator so that you're familiar with the different mechanisms available to the parties. That's it for the ADR Nugget this week. I hope you found that helpful. Thanks for the submission, Elizabeth. All right, that's it for Disputes Digest. Just a couple of more episodes before we go on our summer break. Reporters this week were Chandrika Sharma and Vaibhav Prabhakar with the ADR Nugget brought to you by Elizabeth Arabolaze. If you have feedback or comments for the show, or if there's a story you think would be interesting that we should be covering, don't hesitate to drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. Until next week, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. See ya. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.